Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Heyo, welcome in to CHGO White Sox postgame show. The White Sox get swept out of Cleveland. This podcast is presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars the Sox lose three of their three games in Cleveland they fall to 500 on the season they are six and six and they are no longer in first place in the AL Central today we will talk to you about the Cleveland series we will preview the Minnesota series and talk about a few people that are coming back to the White Sox and a few people that might be going to the injured list uh I'm Sean Anderson you can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson you can follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox to the far left of me is Vinny Duber. He is the CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. What's up, Jimbo? What's up, Matt from Oaklawn? Joining us on the YouTube live chat. The Sox lose 6-3 today. And I think we can probably start with the offense. In the last seven games, they have scored a total of 15 runs. That averages for about two a game. Uh, it continues here. They do score three runs, but like Herb, you've been saying, I mean, it really feels like three runs is the threshold that the Sox uh, can't get over. They scored three runs in every game against the Rays, and it's been you know up and down against Cleveland, and it's just continued today. I don't know what is going on with the White Sox offense. We were discussing when I got over there that the White Sox are hitting the ball hard. They're hitting it uh, and executing the play, and of course the, run, the, the play that gets the most runs scored today is a soft hit ball right in front of the pitcher and the catcher by Adam Hazley. Mm-hmm. But I am worried now, but I know with the hard hit percentage, they were just hitting the ball right at people. Those things will drop in eventually. But it's very, very telling that Tim didn't get on and the offense is struggling. He had a horrid series. And that's very hard to say. I'm a Tim Anderson guy. Everybody is. He had a terrible series where he kind of admitted, like, sitting in the hotel for two days, got his mind off of it, didn't get focused, and made another air today. It's unacceptable. He's your leader. People take their cues from those guys, Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu. And Tim Anderson, I think, is falling short in this series in particular. And it's not about, you know, just slumping at the plate. When you're slumping in the field and plays that are relatively easy, and the play late in the game with the fielder's choice where he's trying to tag Josh Naylor, that should have been an error. They called it a fielder's choice, nothing there for Tim, but he's not been playing well this whole series, and I think he's the straw that stirs the drink, but also if he struggles – this often struggles. In the two games in Cleveland, he was one for eight with four errors. T.A. struggled, but the whole team struggled, Vinny. Yeah, I mean, it was ugly. It was hard to watch. I mean, it's yep. not it's not something that, uh, you know, in my opinion, is going to define the season or anything like that. I mean, you see a lot of comments, you know, uh, at both here and on Twitter throughout the game, you know, lamenting the state of the, the state of the team and what that means for the entire season, how, you know, how this is going to affect the playoff race. It's April, but... At the same time, it is no fun to watch, and, and I get it. Uh, you know, listen, the, 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 one, the, the main stat is this. They had more errors than runs in, the, in this series in Cleveland, and uh, when you look ugly in multiple facets of the game, it makes everything look even more ugly. It compounds uh, the, the offenses not being able to score runs right now, and when you're playing 
bad defense in the field along with it, uh, that doesn't help. Um, it, it makes it look so much worse. And you've got uh, mental errors on the base paths today, uh, you know, some, some things that weren't called errors today that maybe could have. Uh, it was three games, two days to forget for this White Sox team, and they, they need to figure it out at the plate, like you said. Some hit, hard hit balls today, contact, a lot of hard contact. So you would like to think that that might be a signal that, you know, the run scoring woes are coming to an end. But uh, from the defensive standpoint, I think that is something that really needs to, you know, stop if they're going to be start winning games again. Yeah, it felt like going into the bottom of the seventh that this game was going to be competitive, that this game was going to be close. It was 3-4 to four going into that inning, and then the White Sox just let it go, and in the eighth and ninth inning, it just felt like there wasn't that much of a battle. It felt like the wind got taken out of their sails. They get swept by the Cleveland Guardians. The Guardians are now in first place. Let's talk about some of those hard-hitting balls because, uh, or hard-hit balls, because I know there was one comment that said uh, it was uh, talking about the hitting coach. It's a little bit uh, scrolled Frank up here. Frank Minichino? Uh, yeah, about Frank Minichino. I know no one wants to blame the hitting coach, but our offense did terrible last year offensively, too, for long stretches. This isn't new. I don't know if they're necessarily doing terrible. Yes, the runs aren't there but let's look at some of the hard hit uh, data from today because it is honestly just baffling uh, the White Sox hard hit data so far they had 14 hard hit balls today 14 that is 14 balls that are hit 95 miles per hour or harder off the bat those 14 balls had an average exit velocity of 103.3 miles per hour, an expected batting average of 570, and only five of those 14 balls got down for a batting average of 357. So the Sox just are getting unlucky. You look at the uh, the Guardians' hard hit balls against Dylan Cease. They had four hard hit balls against Dylan Cease. All four got down for a hit. So, I mean, that just kind of shows you right there the bad luck and, you know, the the, the kind of good luck for the Guardians. Yeah, and I mean, this is going to happen over the course of a 162-game season. It's going to happen a lot, actually. You know what I mean? No team is going to go out and win 150 games. They're going to have bad days and lots of them. That's just, uh, you know, math, uh, really, when you think about it. Uh, the I guess the silver lining for the White Sox, at least in Game 2 of yesterday's doubleheader and today – Pitching was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you can really fault the pitching. And really, you can point to game one. After Dallas Keuchel left, the pitching was great uh, for the for the White Sox, the, the bullpen pitching, specifically Tanner Banks, who, who ate up a lot of innings. But uh, that is is something that they can hang their hat on going forward, um, especially when they, when they go up to face a Minnesota team that, you know, they probably should at least take two or three out of if you're just looking at the, the two rosters on paper. Get Lucas Giolito back. The pitching staff, which we have talked about as being so, you know, affected by injuries and worked really hard, if we're specifically talking about the bullpen, uh, is getting back on track a little bit. And not that they were off track from a performance standpoint, Mm -hmm. but, you know, they looked like the ones that were going to, you know, have the highest hurdles to clear. And it's turned out that right now the bats are the ones in a a real long stretch of uh, some tough tests. Well, and the one guy to struggle out of the bullpen just in this series, it was Kendall Graveman, who only got through uh, one-third of an inning today, two hits allowed, uh, two earned runs. But other than that, Herb, the bullpen was fantastic, but it is just the offense over the past seven games that have just been brutal. I think someone said five runs uh, in the past uh, five games for the White Sox or five runs in the past 27 innings uh, for the Sox. Just pathetic uh, from Tyler right there. So, I mean, I, I look at it as this is the offensive problem right now. Yeah, and Graveman, there was a hard-hit ball by Josh Taylor, but that went right to the wickets of Jose Abreu. If I was scoring, I would have called it air. He called it a double there. And then uh, the subsequent Tim Anderson play where he didn't tag Naylor going to third there. So I wasn't too, like, alarmed by what Kendall Graveman was doing. I think, as Vinny said, the pitching staff, even Dallas Keuchel, even though all those runs, eight of them out of the ten were charged to him, didn't pitch poorly like the results were bad but the actual execution was good if people pick up the ball I think we see a different story there concentration focus need to be paramount if Tim is already admitting that you know sitting in a hotel two days got him got his focus off I don't know what we're doing here like you are the leader you need to get your mind right when you hit that green grass in between the lines, get your mind right. I think Steve Stone used to talk about uh, green and brown. Like, once he hits the green or the brown, his mind is somewhere else. It's baseball. Once he gets to the dugout, cool, he can talk. He can do his thing. But airs and get things that breathe life into an offense, that's – I don't care what they're fucking doing and what they've done so far. That Cleveland team is not great offensively. They no. have one guy that's really good. And I know Fran Mill hit that rocket home run off of Dylan Cease, but – there was nothing in that lineup ex- except for Stephen Kwan that I'm like, 
that can play on somebody else's team. All the rest of that is just average major leagues to blow average stuff. So to lose to that because you don't score runs is disappointing. It's very disappointing. You score five runs versus the Cleveland Guardians, it's very, very upsetting if you're a top offensive team, which we all believe the White Sox are, even with the injuries that they have. Well, and the hard hit ball data is showing you that they're at least you know, one of the hardest hitting teams in the league. I mean, that the power is there for the White Sox. And just wonder how much the actual ball is affecting them as well. I tweeted this out just looking, uh, trying to find, you know, what data we can look at. And right now, uh, through the MLB, through the first couple of games here, I think it's probably 12 for each team. Uh, it's about 13,000 plate appearances through the entire league. And this year, there's only been 328 home runs through those 13,000 uh, plate appearances. You look from 2018 to now, that is the lowest uh, through 13,000 plate appearances. The second lowest is 362. So this year, only 328 home runs uh, in 2022 for, through the first 13,000 plate appearances. The lowest since 2018, 360, uh, 362. So maybe the ball is, I mean, we've heard about the humidors. We heard about uh, possible changes to the actual ball being deadened. Uh, it feels like that's being shown right now just because 14 hard hit balls, an average exit velocity of 103. Uh, it is maddening just seeing the hard hit ball data for this Sox uh, and the, how unlucky they really are. I mean, there was that one play for Gavin Sheets. Gavin Sheets rips a, a liner off the bat and it goes right to the second baseman. It just feels like that wasn't happening for the Cleveland Guardians today, but it was happening every time the Sox put the ball on the bat today. And these things even out, like... Vinny was saying, eventually the White Sox will be hitting soft hit balls and getting them over and under people and getting hits that they don't deserve. And the other team will be hitting Adam balls. So they'll even out in 162. It's just frustrating living in this space right now at a team that was six and three, looking good, playing well in the first three series. And this series was nothing but it was just bad, bad baseball. All three games. And Alec is asking, why are y'all, the chat, panicking after one bad series in the first four? This was painful, but it's only the fourth series. You're nodding to that, Vinny. 150 games left, guys. That's a lot of baseball. And if you think uh, that uh, one, you know, two days in Cleveland in mid-April is going to dictate the next uh, five and a half months, come on, guys. That's you've, a good... you've watched baseball before. You know this is going to get uh, real different real quick. That's a good album. Two Days in Cleveland. It's, good, <laughs> good, good, it's a live, live good album. Start. Yeah, live album. <laughs> yeah, I think the most concerning things that I've seen so far is the right and left field play when A.J. Pollock has been out. It just feels like Andrew Vaughn has shown that he's not the best uh, outfielder. We saw Gavin Sheets. Uh, there was a play that I think was had a 70% catch rate. If Adam Ingles out there, that play seemed to be made and ended up being a double. So, I mean, it just feels like the guys that they are putting out, just due to the injuries, uh, Garcia because of Moncada being out, uh, you know, with Pollock being out, Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets in left and right field. Uh, I'm just concerned about those two things. Those two things, I think, aren't going to change over 162 over the next 150. Uh, those are my biggest concerns because it feels like the offense is going to change. The fact that they're hitting the ball this hard, that's going to last over 162. They are being aggressive. They're nailing the ball. Hopefully the luck changes on that. But something that hasn't changed is injuries. A.J. Pollock injured. Yoan Moncada injured. Lance Lynn injured. Lucas Giolito injured. Uh, Garrett Crochet injured. And now Luis Robert. This is from Daryl Vance Gowan uh, after the game. Luis Robert has a minor groin, joint groin strain from Tony LaRusso. We saw him after the seventh inning. He hit a grounder to the shortstop. Tried to beat it out uh, to first base. And once he hit the bag, it felt like he pulled up a little bit. So the White Sox without Luis Robert, what does that mean, Vinny? Well, we'll see how long they would be. I'm sure there's no uh, idea at the moment as to how severe the the strain is and if it would re even require him to to go to the injured list. But right. um, you know, you, you don't you don't want to immediately go to the worst case scenario. Obviously, when when these things tend to uh, have different outcomes for different players. But uh, yeah, that that's not good. We've been talking about nothing but injuries for the first uh, several weeks of this season right now. And now you got a guy who everybody pegged as a preseason MVP candidate who we're talking about, um, you know, as, as suffering an injury in today's game. So yeah, that's obviously bad. Uh, the, <laughs> the, 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 the good news I think is they're getting Lucas Giolito back this weekend. I think AJ Pollock is probably right uh, around there too, as, as somebody who could be back soon. Um, that's good news. But, uh, yeah, you, you never want to see Luis Robert uh, come out of a game with an injury because we saw it last year, and it uh, ended up being months without him. So um, it's, not, it's not what you want to see, and it really adds. You know, they have the whole 
it adds insult to injury. This adds injury to insult, I guess, this time around with uh, the way the last two days went for the White Sox. Absolutely. This was talked about a road series where you have uh, four, and it ends up being three, in Cleveland and three in Minnesota, where if you go four and three, you could really put yourself uh, a lot of space between you and yourself in the division, and now you're in second place. And this Minnesota series gains a lot more importance because not only do you want Minnesota to gain confidence against you, but you also don't want to lose any ground to Cleveland in the division. Uh, to compare Robert's injury uh, using the term mild groin strain and White Sox on Google, I did find two results uh, that were close. Tim Anderson had a groin strain in 2020. Uh, that would happen on July 31st, and he hit the IL for 10 days, came off of it, and came back on August 11th. Uh, so he needed to go to the IL for 10 days. And then Aloy back in 2021, uh, on July 28th, he had a minor groin strain, but he was back by August 3rd. So this could be a five-day injury. This could be a three-day injury. This could be a 10-day injury. Maybe he's fine tomorrow. So right now, I don't think we know enough. I don't think you should be panicking. This could be a worse injury. Maybe it's just a very small blip on the radar for Luis Robert. Yeah, right? it's just the uh, it's just the gross cherry on top of the crap Sunday that was the, <laughs> the last two days in Cleveland. Are you saying the, ch- the cherries are terrible on Sundays? No, I think he's just saying no, it's a because my, my fiance literally hates cherries on top of Sundays. I was just I, I, I don't eat the cherry. I'm not a oh, what's wrong with you? Not a cherry guy? I'm not a really think of a think of a food that would give you some sort of nutritional benefit. Usually that's not something I enjoy. <laughs> okay. But what is but like a maraschino cherry? A maraschino that's a garnish. Cherry. That's a garnish to me. Right, but, yeah. but isn't that what a Sunday is? Like I I understood your point. Like it's a it's a disgusting, yes. like hairy, garbagey cherry on already a bad Sunday, Sunday, I Correct. get it. I wasn't besmirching like, cherries your, in general. I was describing what, this very specific cherry. What's your cherry take? Because I know you're a tropical drink guy. They usually put maraschino cherries in some tropical drinks. Yeah, I mean, you usually go citrusy with okay. those. Yeah, okay. right. cherry is more of a, I feel like more of a classic cocktail kind of thing. You have it in a, you know, a man brandy or something yeah. like that. Yeah, you had, you I'm like, cherry? I more so want like an entire orange on top of a drink. I won't That's just what I'm eat a for, cherry so. just yeah. out of the. Out of a box, but if they put it on top of Sunday or they put it in my drink, I'm a max. I'm a max that. Like if they give me a Shirley Temple, I'm a grown Ooh. man, but I lo- still love a Shirley Temple and a cherry, a maraschino cherry in there, delicious. So my grandfather retired from uh, the fire department, and we had a big uh, party. You know, uh, we call him a re- retirement party. I don't know if a lot you of call them- him that. Yeah, I call him a retirement <laughs> party. I know it's pretty bold. Uh, we call him a retirement party, and uh, my dad. Just, you know, having some fun, told me that the, uh, the, the record, the family record, was drinking 20 uh, Shirley Temples at a party. Um, I don't know who held the record, who had the record book, uh, but I drank 21 that night. Uh, so that was a very eventful night because not only did I drink 21 uh, Shirley Temples that night as a young, uh, probably under 10-year-old, but I, then I also threw up a lot. So oh, it was okay. a very uh, eventful night for me. Uh, I very will always remember uh, my grandfather's uh, retirement party, uh, as we say it. Uh, so... <laughs> You didn't. I feel like you didn't give your thoughts on the Luis injury. You concerned at all? No, not really. I mean, he gets he's oft injured. I think this is just a small uh, injury. If he goes to the IL, I'm not too concerned. Even though he was starting to hit, and if he turns out to the guy that returned from the IL last year, bring that guy. I would love that. <laughs> he was starting to hit today. He had a good game for himself. Yeah, guys, I'm a little bit more concerned about it. Last year it was a flex, uh, hip flexor tear, torn it. Yeah, this is very close to that area, and these groin. Groin injuries, they come back, and I'm not. I like the use of the word mild there, but at the same time, minor. I don't like. It wasn't even mild; it was minor. minor. Okay, I, I like feel like that. Steven, I'll tell you this. I, I think the idea is, don't be concerned until you have reason to be concerned. It's fair. I'll and, give you that. And right now, you don't you don't know, and so we don't know, and so you know you, you don't want to speculate on on somebody's health and and what that would do to the team or something like that. If the Tony Larusa comes out tomorrow before the game and says. We got bad news. Then you then you got reason to be concerned. We got bad news. Adam Hazley starting in center field. Hey, oh. hey Adam Hazley was not the problem this this no, week. No, he wasn't. Uh, he, uh, you he got wasn't that sugar after you ate all those uh, kitty cocktails. Yeah, twenty one. Of course. I mean, as as the sugar it means diabetes. Oh, two diabetes. I mean, not yet. You got I mean, that sugar. If, if I continued to do that, diabetes. Uh, <laughs> if I continued to do that, then maybe uh, I'd develop it, but not not just yet. Uh, I want to make sure that we take some time on some of the base running errors and some of the other uh, faux pas in this game, but the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO if you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which in 
unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CH membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. PointsBet is your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. Introducing PointsBet's newest feature, the live NBA same-game parlay for the first time ever you can build the perfect live NBA same game parlay only with points bet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. And if you want more, you can also boost your live same game parlays. You get one a day, so you can boost those very, very important odds to make more money on points bet. You can watch live, parlay live, and boost live with points bet. An online signup is available in Illinois. You can download the points bet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. I was up? laughing at Kirk's uh, yeah, comment not a about your D-minus on the transition. I am better than that. But I do want to talk about this Leary Garcia. I like thing. how I spelled Segway, too. Yeah, capital, capital S on Segway. That's, uh, I think, right in the yeah. scooter. Yeah, shout out to Clark, our Segway guy. We have a Segway guy. It's Clark, the producer from he CHGO. He has one? Yeah, he's, he runs a Segway company. Does he really? He wow. does. Oh, we man. have a Segway guy. All right. I, I might f- be the, the Segway guy. Why are we guy, over here the walking Segway guy. all day and we got a guy who's got Segways? We because he be, needs them for his zipping, business. We should be zipping around the, the studio. <laughs> Clark? Yeah, we should have races. You got to go get a glass we, of water. You just zip on over there on a Segway. And the, th- the thing, too, is we have a track. Like, the offices are perfectly laid out to where we could have just right, uh, left turn after left turn here. I Absolutely. mean, this could be very competitive, a uh, two-man Segway race, two-person segue race. We're bringing Chicago Land Speedway to to West Loop. Clark, we know you're watching. Come on. Um, anyways, I want to talk now about the Leary Garcia base running air because there was already a comment from Sleepy Harold saying, can't wait for Leary to bat third again tomorrow while Vaughn sl- sp- uh, sits for some inexplicable reason. Uh, but Leary Garcia, there's a play where Luis Roberts on second base, Leary Garcia is on first base, and it was Jose Abreu up. He hits a ball to right field carries over Fran Mill Reyes' head, bounces off Reyes' glove. It's very close to the wall, bounces off the wall, rolls away from Reyes. A good effort by Reyes. Almost made that catch, and that is important to explaining what happened. And that's why Robert was staying at second base because it looked like it was going to be a close catch from Reyes. He might have made it. He wanted to make sure he tagged up. Garcia goes straight to second base, and then once the ball drops... Robert starts running to third. Leary also starts running to third, <laughs> forcing Luis Robert to go home. So people automatically started saying Joe McEwing with another bad send, comparing it to the Adam Engel play from last, uh, from yesterday. But Leary Garcia forcing uh, the White Sox hand there, sending Luis Robert home. I don't know if it would made too much of a difference, but the White Sox would have had bases loaded with no outs. Yeah, I mean, he got thrown out at home. Like, that, that, that is a base-running error. As we're talking about all the defensive errors uh, that, that happened the last two days and, you know, the kind of difficult-to-explain version of, of that, you, you have to do the same thing with the base-running. And, I, again, this might be an isolated thing. You might yeah. only point to this as being one thing that happens over the course of the next three months. It's a but at play. the same time, yeah. like I was just saying about Robert's injury – uh, happening when it happened in the, in the midst of these t- terrible two days in Cleveland, when a base running error happens like that, also it compiles everything and it just makes for a really displeasing uh, viewing for anybody who's watching that game. I mean, Larry is a veteran guy; he he can't be he can't be making that kind of mistake. Uh, I'm just reading Jimbo's comment. Your 24 year old outfielder should be a better base runner than your 31 year old super futility futility player. That's nice, Jimbo. I, he said that on Twitter. I think he's he's workshopping that bit there. Hey, with, man, with it works futility. for me, Jimbo. Good job. It does work. No, it's pretty but decent. I didn't see but, the play live. You guys explained to me perfectly. I think Luis Robert is right there. He knows he has enough speed from second base if that ball falls in to safely get the third. And the last thing he wants to do is get out on the base pass. I don't know if you go halfway there if you're Luis Robert on second base. And or he was thinking about tagging up and going to third, but Lurie's got to be heads up. You got to know that that man's in front of you, and forcing him to go home is not in the best plans for the White Sox in that uh, spot right there. Because you have Yasmani coming up next with the bases loaded, nobody out. You have Plesac on the ropes. It's an odd play too, just because if the ball is caught, 
Then Leuria is going to be forced to go back to first base. Then Robert's going to tag, and then you have first and third with two out or with one out. Then setting up the double play with Grandal coming up, and we know what Grandal does. It, you know, it it seemed to me wise. that Robert assumed that ball was going to be caught. I mean, yeah. he was standing so close to second base. Now, granted, like you just said, he's got speed that he can he can make a lot of things happen that some other players might not be able to make. But Luis Robert is standing on second base, and Jose Abreu hit a ball off the wall. He should score yes, on that play. 100%. And, and I, it was close. You got to credit uh, Fran Mil Reyes for a great effort on there. Uh, but and great throw from our guy, Ernie. Big Ernie. Ernie, Clements. Er, er, Ernie with a great uh, <laughs> relay throw. Big Ern. Uh, but, yeah, it, uh, it, it, was, it, was maybe, it was maybe not pretty all the way around. Perhaps Larry's not the only person that uh, deserves a little uh, second guessing there. But, uh, yeah, not a good-looking play. And uh, the White Sox had the first two runners on in that inning, and uh, they only got one run out of it. Yeah, and let's talk about the pitching. I want to go into a little bit more with Dylan Cease because I think that was all of the, the faux pas the Sox made today. I really can't. We went through the T.A. error. We went through the Leary base running error. And then other than T- that. T.A. had an actual error in the first yeah, inning. Yeah, the throwing error. We and, talked about his yeah, bad day. And then he had the, the tag play. So, uh, yeah, and Abreu the ball through the legs. So just, just tough. And there was a lot of that yesterday, too. So, Again, compounding. And the TA play was weird, the one that was kind of interference, but not really interference. He had the ball in his glove before Naylor, I think, even crossed his path. So I was fine with that not being an interference play. Or really, he did not ever have the ball in his glove, I think, is the problem. It kind of bounced out of it before, like you said, the runner came in front of him. Right. So I really would put that more on TA than, you know, a missed call by the umpire. It's a judgment call, and I think it's so close right there. Uh, I was fine with the call. I know that Benetti uh, expressed something differently on the broadcast. But let's go into Dylan Cease day he had a fine day in my opinion I really like Cease's day although he didn't get the results that you wanted we talk about uh talked about him going six innings possibly seven innings allowing only three earned runs he goes five and a third eight hits allowed four earned runs two walks three k's he gave up a home run to Fran Mel Reyes but I look at this day I honestly really like the day even though eight hits allowed and four earned runs might sound like a lot to people but watching the game I thought Dylan had a really nice effort yeah, I mean, it was fine. It was it was one of those ones I thought where you know it, he was not the problem, right? And and they should have they should be able to win a game in which that is his stat line at the end of the day. Um, yeah, I mean, the the pitching is was mostly fine. I thought in this in this series, with the exception of uh, things getting away from Dallas Keuchel there in the second inning of the first game. But uh, you know, Dylan Cease maybe you know should be expected to give them a little bit more than that. But at the same time. What he gave them, what you could win a game with, and I, I think they always say, well, you know, did they did the did the starting pitcher put the keep the team in the game? Did they put them in a position to win? I think when you look at those numbers, when you look at this offense and what it's supposed to do, Dylan Cease did that today. I mean, you talked about the four hard hit balls and had eight hits given up, so he was doing the job. He wasn't the K was not working for him today. Cleveland's putting bat to ball, putting the ball in play. So yeah. Uh, from what I saw of Dylan Cease was very little. I wasn't – this is not the performance I wanted from Dylan Cease. It falls a little bit below the performance I wanted from him. I was looking for six innings, f- four earned or less. He gave us five and what, two-thirds, five and a third? Five and a third. It's fine, and I will not put any blame on Dylan Cease for what he did today. It's you know not his best stuff he had today, and that's sometimes you got to battle with. You're not going to have your best stuff every time you go out there. And he battled with it. And I'm I'm happy with his performance, but not overall thrilled with it. See, my thing is that I am thrilled with the performance just because we talked about him being aggressive and him not trying to bite around the edges and him knowing that his stuff is good. If he puts it in the zone, he just has to rely that he's going to be getting swings and misses. Uh, the worst pitch that he made was to Fran Mil Reyes. It was an OO pitch. He threw a fastball down low in the zone and it stayed over the uh, out and fr- uh, stayed out in, in the middle of the plate rather than going in on Reyes and Reyes tagged it to right center or yeah to right center field so I mean it's it's an OO pitch it's not like you know he didn't really miss his spot too much just by a couple inches there like it's it's a bad mistake and runners were on so it looks worse than it actually did uh, but his swinging strike rate it was his whiff percentage was up to 25 percent that's higher than it was on the season so he's getting more whiffs uh, than he was normally used to and his strike percentage 68 percent strikes 
thrown by Dylan Cease. We always talk about him loading up with balls or, or letting innings get away from him because he's not attacking hitters. I thought that's something he did really, really well today. 17 foul balls today. He also had uh, 23 called strikes or whiffs. So total uh, over 40 strikes uh, just gotten on you know bad contact. Uh, called strikes or swinging misses by the Guardians. I really like those percentages. I, I think that this is a good mix for him. And I think if he throws this against, you know, Minnesota or another team, whoever he faces next. Kansas City. Kansas City, he'll have a fine outing. It's it's the growth that you want to see from him, right? I mean, you guys talk about your high hopes for him personally. The Sox obviously have similar similarly high hopes, and they expected him to take another big step this year. That's, that's the kind of growth. That's the maturity right there, and that's what Dylan has focused on specifically, not running into these innings where he can't get out of it, where stuff snowballs after he walks a guy or something like that. When you don't see that, I, I count that as a sign of growth, the kind of thing that we've seen in years past from Lucas Giolito. Maybe now you're seeing from Dylan Cease. Right. It's not, it's not, you know, seven strikeouts is over under today with six and a half. He only gets to three. Uh, but the fact that he did have guys battling, it was long counts. I mean, that just shows kind of the approach that Cleveland has. It starts with Stephen Kwan battling, fighting off. Jose Ramirez does the same thing. Miles Straw did the same thing. Uh, they got that up and down their lineup. And that's just part of Cleveland's MO. You, you really saw their process work today, uh, Herb. The fact that they are always going to try to battle in counts and extend counts late into innings. And that's one thing that I didn't like what the Sox were doing. 17 pitches in the first two innings for Zach Plezak. His stuff wasn't fantastic. He let up 14 hard hit balls, uh, but his stat line looks better at the end of the day uh, than Dylan Cease. And I think that has to do a lot with the the, pro the process and the, the uh, plate approach for the Sox. We saw right in the first inning the difference of the two offensive attacks. White Sox go out pretty easily in the first inning versus Zach Plezak. And then the first batter, Stephen Kwan, is like 1-2. And Dylan throws that 12 to 6 curveball. Stephen Kwan goes out and fouls it and spoils that pitch off. He knows he's got to protect too close to the plate to just let that go and just battles. Just uh, that set the tone for everything that happened in the rest of the day. And Dylan probably got frustrated by that. You have to. If you're throwing your B pitches out there and people are falling them off or just spitting on them, like, God damn, these people are out here patient like a <laughs> motherfucker. I can't do the regular strikeout thing like I usually do. So for him to battle through what they were doing and not have his premium stuff, I think it was an all right performance. I'm happy with this performance. Not overjoyed. I look forward for his next one versus the Kansas City Royals where he gets back to the strikeout ball. Yeah, if he gives you the two starts that he gave you before this game and then this is his worst start of the three, the Sox have a very, very good starting pitcher in their rotation. Dylan C so far, I think he's met expectations. You're going to have bad games out of the 32 you pitch. And if this is one of the worst games that he has, the White Sox will be absolutely fine when he takes the bump. Yeah, you know, every five days. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, especially compared to where he, you know, you had to readjust those expectations with it, with it being the shortened spring. Dylan, uh, you know, was one of the guys that was maybe a touch behind him and Michael Kopech behind some of the veteran guys. So um, you got to remember, too, that this is a continual process in building back up for every pitcher in baseball. And then he's got his own personal schedule that he's working on, too. Once you get Lucas Giolito back in this rotation, um, starting pitching uh, is not going to be the headache that it's been perhaps for the last couple weeks. And I don't even mean headache from a results standpoint, but just from a workload standpoint and uh, maybe a predicting what you're going to be able to get uh, standpoint. And we do have to give a shout out to Keeg Thunder Gaming spelled wrong number one because uh, not only did we say come back tomorrow if the Guardians sweep, uh, he did. He the did. Guardians sweep swept and he came back. So uh, shout out to Keeg for coming back and talking your shit. This you is, deserve it, man. I mean, talk your stuff, man. You got to live in Cleveland, though. Right. It's a. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I can't was, deny the harsh. fact that there's a broom being busted out. The White Sox lost three of three games. That is just the fact. So congratulations, Keeg. Uh, very disappointing. We don't hold on to effort. that, that uh, doubleheader that happens on July 12th as the part of the series. <laughs> hey, we won that one. You didn't sweep us back in April. Is that, Shut up. Is that what counts? Is no, that, is no, that, oh, okay. no, it's what happens during the well, series. So I'll, I'll, if, if they win one of those games, I will say it won't. Even if it's the wrong one, that was the scheduled game. I, I, I don't know how that's going to work. We'll see if, uh, yeah, and yeah, go get a life, Keeg. Come on. Uh, I, I appreciate that Keeg came back and talked his crap. I mean, that's, that's what fandom is all about. Bring me a grilled cheese from Melt now. Is that in Cleveland? Yeah, it's like outside of Cleveland. Yeah, it's like a 
grilled cheese place. Okay. That's the best they got is someplace outside of Cleveland that I offers mean, grilled cheese. I mean, it's in the Cleveland area. The one I go to is, like, I think in Lakewood or Lakeview, whatever it's called, just outside of uh, Cleveland. Delicious. People get tattoos. For life, they get twenty five percent off of the melts. Wow! Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big Porco Lounge guy in Cleveland. Porco Lounge. Anybody listening? Anybody listening who lives in or is going to Cleveland? Porco Lounge, good tiki bar, good spot. Right now, the Sox sit second in. I don't, I can't go deep with you. Get back and forth on Cleveland. Uh, on Cleveland tiki bars. Casey yeah. invited <laughs> you to go to Cleveland. We're all going to Cleveland. I'm not going to Cleveland. We're going Why? to GD Cleveland. I don't know. I do. Are we driving to Cleveland? It's only six hours. Of course, you drive to Cleveland. Yes. When are we? When do they play next? You Cleveland? put you put the you put the black keys on the radio. Yeah. You drive to you drive to Ohio, man. Come on. They really, I you they really lost the black me with, keys over there. They lost me it? with Turn Blue. I got to be honest. You with didn't you. listen to uh, Let's Rock, I, I guess. I guess. Um, yeah. Next Cleveland trip will be July 11th for the doubleheader. So should we go? Should we go on uh, July 12th? And then uh, if they win that game, be like, it didn't count. Not a sweep. Bring a broom and then break it if the Sox win that game. (laughs) All right, so maybe in July you'll see us out in Cleveland. Uh, But uh, let's talk right now about the standings in the American League. Sox are in the second place. They are 6-6. Guardians improved to 7-5. They are in first place. Royals five and six, Detroit five and seven, Minnesota, Minnesota five and eight. So if the Sox split with that team, uh, the White Sox will be tied with Minnesota. So I mean, this is an important series. If the White Sox go one and two, they'll be tied with Minnesota, likely behind Cleveland. Uh, I'm not trying to worry here, but at least looking at April, I mean, did you expect? You're not trying to, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to. It's it's April 21st. There's still a lot of games left in April, but I think it would be surprising to see the White Sox not in first place out, out of April. It'd be surprising. I don't know how much quote-unquote importance you can place on a series in April. Uh, and that's that's all I would say there. But, um, no, you're right. I mean, listen, I think every single one of us expected that the Sox would be the clear-cut class of this division. Um, and I think the, the point is that we haven't seen enough games to figure out whether that's the case or not. Uh, but, you know, surprises happen along the way. There have been teams that have been in – fourth place in in April, May, June, and end up winning the division. So um, it's it's early, and I think that's, uh, you know, something everybody should remember. Uh, But at the same time, Games in April count as much as they do in September, so you don't want to be you don't want to be losing them. And I want to bring up two points. So you remember when Detroit walked us off? Mm -hmm. Very exciting, as they should be. It's opening day. They are facing the White Sox, one of their main division rivals. Just beat reliever of the year, tw- uh, two time, re- reigning reliever of the year two times in a row. Yeah, and they were very happy. They were, I think, very joyous. And you saw today, Stephen Kwan hits a simple sack fly, goes back to the dugout, and he's hyped. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, let's go. White Sox got to realize, they got a target on their back as the 2021 20, AL Central champions, and all these teams in the Central are coming for them, and they're playing their best ball. The Minnesota Twins, the weird-ass Minnesota Twins, will be playing their best ball no matter what. Exactly. And so they got to raise up to that level. Yes, these games are in April, but as somebody says, these are division games. We need to understand that these teams are aiming for the White Sox, and the White Sox need to bring their best game and stamp them down. I saw the tweet by Josh Nelson before this Cleveland series started, he's like, if we beat Cleveland, beat Minnesota, and the Royals in the next couple of weeks, we can be up by 10 games. Like, right. no, now we're struggling. These teams want blood. They want the 2022 AL Central Championship. It's not going to be given. The White Sox need to understand that and act accordingly. Well, that's my worry is the Sox could go 9-6 and six and you know take on Kansas City here in Chicago after the road series is done and you know be three games above 500. But also, you know, if you lose three to Minnesota here, then you're 6-9 and nine and you're just, you know, you've lost seven straight and it's like, what the hell is going on? I don't think that's going to happen, but just thinking of both sides of the coin here, uh, you know, it, it is a little stressful. And it shows you, though, how it shows you how early things are because every game is under a microscope because the sample size is so small. You say, oh, my God, they could lose three and be three games under 500, and then they could win three and be back at 500. I mean, sure. you know, that's, but, that's, just, that's just how things work this early in the season, and so I don't blame anybody for feeling the way that they do. It's just that you got to remember we're going to be here in May and June and July and August and September too, and things are going to be different. I, I remember back to what – uh, Rick Hahn said uh, on the day of the home opener, he was asked, you know, because they were playing Seattle and Tampa, that, that home series there, mm-hmm. two, two good teams, uh, and, and he was asked, do you, do, you, 
do you count any of these series against the other good teams in the American League as a measuring stick? You know what I mean? And I think right. that's that's nature of fans. That's nature of us, you know, us reporters. You know, the Yankees come to town and it's, oh, this is a big one to find out where the White Sox are. They go to Houston. Oh, it's a big one to find out where the White Sox are. And he said, no, not really, because – who knows, you know, when you play the Yankees in May, that doesn't tell you anything about what your team is going to be in September or October. And, and he's right. You know, that's a true statement. Um, but that's not going to stop people from circling those games on the calendar and seeing how the White Sox do against those kind of teams. Because if we remember back to last season, the narrative throughout the year was, oh, the White Sox can't beat the top teams in the division or the, or, uh, the in the league, right. the top teams in baseball. And then it comes down to October, and everybody's like, ah, oh, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. And they go up against one of the top teams in baseball, and, and they got, they got uh, their, their butts kicked in uh, some uh, upsetting fashion for the White Sox. Then. I think the Sox finished 26-27 and 27 last year against teams above 500. So that is still something I'm watching out for. Uh, but you're right. I mean, like, you know, you look at, Atlanta last year if you beat Atlanta in May you know what does that really show you but if you beat Atlanta in September I mean that's the team that ultimately ends up winning the World Series you beating that team in May doesn't really show you the team that they were in October so I understand that point um, but it is just concerning because not only are these things that you've, you've worried about for this year but it's also things that and at least fans are saying something that has continued since 2020 since 2021 since 2022 and since this roster isn't largely different I think those why those concerns are building but well and I'll say this too about the last two days you know in the grand scheme of things three three games in April not going to be terribly important uh, you know in the grand scheme of things but it was ugly you know what I mean and 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 you don't want to see mental mistakes you don't want to see fielding errors you don't want to see base running problems and you don't want to see a, a dearth of runs and that's what happened over the last three games and it was you know no fun to watch dearth dearth d-e-a-r-t-h dearth Earth a without. severe lack. Yeah. Yes. Huh. Um, and like Vinny says, it feels a little bit better, and you can have a little consolation. You're like, that Houston team, and when they beat us, they were better than the White Sox. I felt a little bit better knowing that that's a superior team. That Cleveland team's not superior to the White Sox. They are not. So it's just on the White Sox to clean the things up and get to, you know, ha having those balls fall in a little bit more. That's what's uh, frustrating about this series, losing the three games and how they lost them. So, yeah, in the grand scheme, I think the White Sox are going to dominate Cleveland this year. They're going to win more games than they lose. But how they lost these three games in Cleveland, very disappointing because they're not that. The White Sox are not what they showed on the field right there. Yeah, it's early, and that's what is important. But right now the Sox have the second uh, – Best run differential in the American League Central. Guardians are at plus 25, but the Sox and Twins are at minus 8. Tigers at minus 13. Royals at minus 14. So they are below uh, a positive run differential. We've seen teams go to the playoffs or get close to the playoffs with a minus di run differential, but that's not how this Sox team is going to start winning games. They need to start scoring runs. That's the biggest thing. Once they start scoring runs, then I'll start feeling fine about this team. Hey, you, everybody focused so much on the things that went wrong in that playoff series over the offseason. Uh, you know, a lot of people asking for a shakeup in the starting rotation. A lot of people begging for there to be defensive improvements, which – you know, the last two days nope. didn't, don't really speak to that very well. But and a lot of people, uh, you know, pointing to the offense and what happened. That is what Rick Hahn zeroed in on when he explained what went awry in that playoff series. The number one thing he said was they hit the you know, they the Astros hit the ball further and they won the series. They scored more runs. He, he wanted to see more power from this White Sox team. This White Sox lineup is built to be a very powerful lineup that hits a lot of home runs. They got to start doing it. And, yeah. and and usually this time of year is not the time of year when you see the most balls flying out of a ballpark, but you can't uh, go from not scoring any runs to just expecting the next day to score 10. Uh, they got to they got to be more consistent. And I think you, with some of the harder hit balls you saw today, there's there's could can be some confidence that that's going to be the case. Yeah, hopefully the batted ball data is not discouraging this team. The White Sox have three against Minnesota in Minnesota. They have three in against uh, Kansas City in Chicago, and then they have four in uh, Chicago against Los Angeles. Uh, those are their next three series. Cleveland's next three, three at New York, three at Los Angeles Angels, and then three at Oakland. So they will have a tougher road than the Sox. So they can jump the Cleveland team here because uh, they have an easier road. So that's the most thing. Uh, that's the biggest thing that we have to watch out for. And I hope you don't have a dearth 
of hmm, let me see. Let me try get to there. Get Uh-oh. there. You got it. There is a dearth of evidence. There is a dearth of evidence. There is a dearth of evidence that you in mm. <laughs> trying. <laughs> Workshop. Come Let's on, go. Sean. I hope on, there's Sean. no dearth of enjoyment for CHGO because one way there to help is. us continue <laughs> to grow is to download the points bet app and use code CHGO <laughs> when you sign up. Not only are you gonna get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars, but if you make a fifty dollar or more first time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. Yeah. This deal is not dearth. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we will help you out. And in case you missed it, online signup is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sportsbook, easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. And Herb keeps pointing to the shirts, so let's talk about the damn shirts. We finally got our free shirts from CHGO and they are comfy they fit me perfectly and you need to go to the CHGO locker show, right now and check it out oh I can't sorry. see it there it all is right. well all chgo.com is the link uh we'll have a little modeling right here so this is the uh this is the CHGO flag pocket version there it I is it. there it is yeah isn't that nice and then Herb Herb's rocking the brawler sock you get to see our logo on a t-shirt. We saw the first ever CHGO shirt out in the wild. We got our guy Wade Wilson. I know that's not his real name. Deadpool. But yeah, Deadpool <laughs> yeah. wearing it. Uh, it that's, that's what he goes by. That's a sandal. Uh, Wade Wilson wearing it out at the tailgate. So that was cool to see. Uh, but now Herb's got his own shirt. Now Vinny got his own shirt too, but he wanted to leave the cheap it's trick. It's not shirt. on right now. AI was very happy with his cheap trick shirt that I had on today. And also too, I, I, I tend to burn through t-shirts. So I'm mm. a little cognizant of like, you know, I want to wear one at a time, get a whole day's use out of them so I'm not washing, doing laundry like every three days. Well, and you're traveling too. So, I mean, that's automatically a f- clean shirt that you don't have to worry about. You'll get home from your vacation. You don't have to worry about laundry because you already got a clean shirt. I do. So it's there true. you go. So go to allchgo.com. Check out the CHGO locker. If you want one of these cool, awesome t-shirts, I got the pocket tee. Herb got the brawler sock. Vinny got the uh, flag that goes across the chest that's kind of grayed out, kind of like Herb's, nice. uh, Herb's hat. Herb's Bulls hat right now. So, uh, and someone said nice hat a little bit earlier. So, uh, yeah, Steve, Steve. said uh, nice hat. Thank Herb. you, sir. So, if you want a cool shirt or a nice hat, uh, go to uh, allchgo.com. We don't have hats. <laughs> Sorry. Um, go to ch- allchgo.com uh, for the CHGO locker to check out all of our shirts that we have for you. And you become you can become a member at allchgo.com. You get premium written content. Uh, you get access to the CHGO Lounge, our members-only Discord. And if you become a member, you get a free T-shirt when signing up. So you have a lot of different ways to get a free T-shirt. Take advantage of the points bet deal. Take advantage of signing up to become a member. You get a free shirt that way. Or just go buy a damn shirt. You know, they're nice. That's, that's it. That's wow. The, that's the ad. That's how it actually ends right there. It says, go buy a copy. Yeah. Go buy a damn go buy shirt. A damn shirt. shirt. Look at Connor. <laughs> uh, Connor Smith saying the White Sox had a dearth of relievers in 2007 when they frequently pitched Ryan Book. Buckovich. Oh, you missed it. Oh, oh, he's oh, got Bic- up there. He's got on, is it on Bukovic the- or Bukovic? Bukovic. Bukovic. He's the one, one that, he's the one that Ranji asked what type of pitcher you are. He said, oh. right-handed. That's Ryan Bukovic. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of picture are you? Word right of the day, handed. dearth. Dearth. There you go. This, this episode is brought to you by the word dearth. Dearth. All right, let's go into the Minnesota matchup. Minnesota! Uh, the White Minnesota! Sox will take... Thank you. Uh, the White Sox will take on the Twins on April 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. On Friday, you'll have Michael Kopech versus Bailey Ober. Bailey Ober. On Saturday, you'll have Vince Velasquez versus Dylan Bundy. And on Sunday, you'll have Lucas Giolito versus Chris Archer. Wow, that is just some that's terrifying, terrifying uh, pitching from the Twins. And of course, now that I say that, they'll all go throw <laughs> seven innings, shut out ball. But, the guy right. I'm scared about most is Bailey Ober. He pitched versus the White Sox a little scary last year, and I was like, "Oh, this man's coming." And Dylan Bundy, I think he pitched the second game of last year's uh, opening series versus the Angel, and I recall he, good, he was all right. Yeah, he that had a game good start. Yeah. Um, and then he turned to Dylan Bundy after that. Ober made his um, MLB debut versus the White Sox. He had, went uh, four innings, gave up four, uh, five hits, four earned runs, two home runs, and one of them was a Yasmani Grandal 
bomb uh, up into that right field uh, bleachers and target field. So if you're looking for Yaz to get back on track, he has liked Bailey Ober's curveball before. Ober. And uh, Ober was uh, okay once against the Sox last year. Uh, twice against the Sox. Uh, he had two outings. One was five and a third of six hit, no run ball. And another one was five innings of two hit, no earned ball. But he also had uh, three and a third of five earned runs, four innings of four earned runs. Uh, and then uh, he also had an outing of, sorry about this, uh, five in- innings of four, uh, four earned runs. Sounds so, like Zach Plesak's line versus the White Sox. Like, yeah. Hit or miss. Nothing special, but I think Billy Ober eventually will be a, a nice pitcher. Attack him tomorrow. Michael Kopech taking the bump. I'm confident that Minnesota, in Minnesota, will take two or three. 4.76 ERA for Ober in 22 and a two-thirds Ober. innings last year against the Sox. And you're right that the Sox had nice numbers going in uh, against Plezak, and they hit him hard. It's just about luck. I mean, I think the White Sox can hit Ober hard on Friday. And you mentioned Bundy and Archer, guys that have bounced around, but nothing too uh, inspiring. Yeah, and I, I mean, listen, uh, I, I don't think I've been really impressed going into a season with a Minnesota P- Twins pitching staff in a while. Uh, they've, you know, had some great surprises, obviously, like, you know, when Kenta Maeda was uh, one of the best pitchers in baseball a couple years ago. But, um, you know, it, it seems like a team uh, to me, and it seems like a team for a while now, that, that a lineup like the White Sox could have some success against. And uh, so I would not be surprised if you see that. Obviously, they're dealing with injuries still, though, and no Yoan Moncada, if there's still no Josh Harrison, if there's no Luis Robert because of what happened in today's game, you know, you're playing with a, uh, a limited group there. But certainly you would believe that Aloy Jimenez and Jose Abreu and Yasmani Grandal could be able to swing it against those twins. And right now, Byron Buxton has returned for the Twins. He uh, just played in today's game against the Royals. So Buxton is back for the Twins. And one, I mean, guess two good pieces of news. Uh, Tony La Russa said after the game, A.J. Pollock will be joining the White Sox for the game on Friday for Minnesota. So A.J. Pollock has returned for the Sox. And then on Sunday, we saw it. It's going to be Chris Archer versus the returning uh, Lucas Giolito. So the Sox in this series at least get Pollock and Giolito back should be a boost. It's huge. I mean, we've been talking about it for weeks now, the the injury woes that this team is facing to be uh, getting some positive injury news or some positive news on that front uh, is a tremendous thing for this team that, you know, we're going to be talking about for a while when they're back to full strength when they're back to full strength because it looks like Lance Lynn is going to be a bit but uh you know the closer they can get to that the closer to uh the team that they were supposed to be when when Rick Hahn put that together here uh deep into the spring of course but uh AJ Pollock was one of those late additions and for the little bit that we saw of him in Detroit uh looked looked good so mm-hmm. uh to have him back in there would, would be a good thing for this team. Mailman Jack says, I have a dearth of food in my belly on my way to the Jewels for some pub burgers. Great post game. See you guys later. Thanks, Jack. Mailman Jack. That's my guy. Word of the day. Um, and Yoan Mankata has not started his rehab assignment yet, asking KPW, uh, still dealing with some uh, pain in his uh, defensive movement. So no Mankata back, no timeline set for him. I think that they will send him down to a rehab assignment, though, before he comes back. I think they would have to. He yeah. hasn't he hasn't played in many games. He, he didn't uh, really look in spring training like he was uh, all the way back to what he is capable of doing. So I think they would have to, to have him face some pitching for a little bit, yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see what they roll out tomorrow lineup wise with Pollock being back with Robert possibly being hurt we could see Pollock leading off starting we liked what we saw in the Detroit series when he was doing that uh, what are you looking for from Pollock Herb uh, in this series because we saw a very very brief glimpse of him in Detroit before he started rounding first base with the and pulling up with a pulled hamstring yeah he had his career year in home runs last year I like him if there's no Luis Robert in the lineup I like him in that two hole to slot in that two hole if you're not putting Yasmani up there, which they have some type of uh, resistance against because he's slow as hell. Um, yeah, he handles the bat well, and when we have him in right field, even though he kind of struggled with the ball that was hit by Javi Baez in the opener, it was a tough ball to hit. It was really hard. So I'm not worried about him in the field anymore. I'm not worried when he gets to the bat. I like the addition. I look forward to him returning to the White Sox lineup because I thought it looked complete when he was there even though they had no Yon Moncada. 
it was good results. I mean, right right off the bat, and he led off too for the Sox with Ta being suspended. So I would like to see him in that two hole if Roberts not there. I do think that he brings a similar approach as well. Uh, he only saw three point five uh, pitches per plate appearance last year. He's extremely aggressive. He'll go out and start hitting the first pitch that you throw at him. So. It will keep the same approach in that top of the lineup uh, with Anderson, Pollock, and then Abreu. But we've seen Garcia be the three-hitter uh, in back-to-back games. I don't think that's going to continue, but it is frustrating. I hope not. I hope uh, Garcia takes his rightful spot, seven, eight, nine in the lineup. He can play 100% because Josh Harrison will probably be out for a couple of days now and play second base at a good rate, but lower in their lineup. He had a couple of good at-bats I saw. Walked right there to set up that inning we were talking about earlier where he kind of forced Luis Robert to go home there, scored that run right there also. So I don't mind him being in the lineup. I mind where he's placed in the lineup, especially when you have real people in the lineup like Jose Abreu and Yasmani Grandal and Eloy Jimenez hitting behind him. Yeah, and there's a comment here from Rusted Cole, I think it is, uh, C-H-O-L-E. That sounds right saying not trying to be a pain but skipping past this absolute debacle of a series does not present Sox well as a contender. I get it. We've got injuries, but this series does. Uh, this series looked bad, bad. I disagree. I push back just a little bit because you look at the games. Uh, I mean, outside of the second inning, it was a one nothing game or 2-1 two, two to one game in that first game. If you take out the second inning, which was a very, very bad inning in that first game, that's a two to one game. The Sox still lose. The second game was two to one. The Sox were in it, and this one six to three. The Sox were in it until the seventh inning. So I, I, it was bad, but everything went wrong for the Sox this series. I, I I don't know if I disagree that much. It looked bad. It looked bad, bad. I mean, they were making a lot of mistakes out there, and I think that's the thing that really frustrates fans. Um, and and I get that. I think the thing is you. It's not skipping past this series. It's not excusing this series it's to say that you're going to have stretches like this and and I I think that of course when it's the fourth series of the year and it's the thing that just happened today Mm -hmm. it's going to look really bad if they go out and win 12 to 1 tomorrow in Minnesota you're going to forget about it really quick oh parties man (laughs) Cleveland who Killing the twins. <laughs> Bailey Ober? Yeah. Herb was worried about Bailey Ober? Who? I'd love to do that tomorrow. That'd be great. We will not have a pregame or postgame show tomorrow. We are off on Friday and Saturday. We'll be back Sunday to Me and preview you will be back Sunday. that Lucas Giolito and uh, Chris Archer matchup. Yes, uh, Vinny will be, uh, be, be away uh, for this uh, weekend and for the first part of this week. Uh, but we should wrap it up on a high note here. The Sox lose three straight, but that doesn't mean we can't talk some albums here. We got to finish. End the, the countdown. Week. Right. Finish the Cleveland countdown. Here we go. Let's send Vinny into the weekend here. So, Vinny, I want you to recap your album, your fourth uh, album of all time, your third album of all time, your second album of all time, and then give us the Coupe de Gras, the number one album of all time in Vinny Duber's mind. All right. Well, in case you weren't with us, or even if you were and you want a little refresher from the, uh, the, the past few days, at number four, Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run, 1975. At number three, Little Richard, here's Little Richard, 1957. At number two, The Clash, London Calling from 1979. And at number one, The Rolling Stones, the greatest rock and roll band of all time with the greatest album of all time, Exile on Main Street from 1972. Uh... My favorite album, the, the, the one I think is the best. If an uh, alien came down from outer space and said, what's this rock and roll I keep hearing so much about? This is what you hand them. It's the dictionary definition. All the influences going in there. You got blues covers. You got some country uh, influence in there. You got some folk stuff. You got it gospel stuff. You got it all coming together. They're taking the 50s rock, the soul, everything, mixing it in, and it is the, the pinnacle right here. It's something called Turd on the Run. Yeah, there is. That's that's a, that's a good one, too. Turd I mean, on the run. <laughs> Not exactly how that one goes, but that's, oh. a, good, that's a good mashup right there. Uh, it's 18 songs of perfection. And the thing is, too, you know, if you're a, uh, a, a music fan and right. you know some Rolling Stones songs, you're not going to see a lot of ones on here that you know. I mean, Tumbling Dice is the big one, I think. But, Rocks you know, Off is pretty uh, popular. It is, but again, these are not, not a bunch of songs that dot the greatest hits collections, but uh, I just think these are uh, so just amazing, amazing songs. Uh, I love Tumbling Dice. I love Rip This Joint, Sweet Virginia, uh, Torn and Frayed, uh, and, and of course, All Down the Line. Uh, I mean, just amazing all Rip the way through. Rip This Joint would have been perfect for yesterday. 
Oh, right. Exile on Guy Street. So uh, Exile on Guyville is, yeah, Guyville. is, uh, is based on that. But, uh, yeah, but uh, come on, guys. I mean, I don't know Exile if people on heard, Main Street I don't is know, the greatest well, album of all time. I don't time. know if people heard that comment from Lawrence. Lawrence <laughs> said that uh, Exile on Main Street helped uh, influence one of the uh, best Chicago albums of all time, uh, Liz Fair's Exile in, of Guyville. Or Exile, Exile in on, Guyville. Exile yes. in Guyville. It's something close around Guyville. Um, but <laughs> I, I, it is a surprising pick for you because I get lambasted for not picking Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Right. I get lambasted for not picking Tango in the Night. Correct. But here you are not picking anything of, uh, of single like. Uh, uh, for the for the Stones, I mean, like you know, tumbling dice. Is, this album's the tumbling dice of, is a cover. Of the Rolling Stones. I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying it's the tusk. That, you said that's it was what you're tusk. saying. It is a it is a, a perfect album from start to finish, and I think uh, you know, obviously, somebody who somebody who might uh, be a bigger Stones fan than than the layman will say uh, would find uh, more pleasure in these deep tracks, perhaps. But um, I just think that I just think that this is it. This is the dic- dictionary definition of what rock and roll became. The everything mashed together to make the perfect influence, and uh, the fourth in a string of four four albums that I could put in the top. 30 or 50, probably. What's your top three Stones album, then? So Exile would I'd be I'd say one. Exile would be one. Uh, I'd probably put I'd probably put Let It Bleed second and Sticky Fingers third. Okay. I would yeah. think that most Stones fan would have Sticky Fingers Sticky one. Fingers what year? 1971. Okay. Wait, what, Just what? keeping me on my toes. What yeah. a way to go back to back, too. Sticky Fingers and then Exile. Well, and Let It Bleed. So they went in a row. Beggar's Banquet, Let It Bleed. Uh, then the live album, Get Your Yaya's Out, which is also great. And then Sticky Fingers and Exile. And Goat's Head Soup ain't too bad either, coming uh, on the heels of that in 1973. Damn. Boom, 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 boom. And Herb, uh, Vinny's talking about this being you know, a very essential album for rock and roll. I have a feeling that your album, your number one album, is very, very essential for a specific genre. Why don't you take us four through two and then give us your number one? Asia by Steely Dan, classic joint, classic album. Mm-hmm. Midnight Marauders by A Tribe Called Quest. Then we go to Stevie Wonder's uh, Songs in the Key, uh, Songs Songs in the the key, key of, of Life. Life. Sorry, And then, I mean, seriously, the best album of all time, Michael Jackson's Thriller. The worst songs on that album are the title track and Beat It. Those <laughs> are the worst songs, and that's saying something. You could say Baby, Baby Be Mine, too. That's not a great song, but... That is a classic press play album. Just press play. You get Human Nature. You get PYT. PYT. Oh, my God. I mean. Billie Jean. One of my. Yeah. Billie Jean is probably. hmm, Let's see if that's my favorite. Uh, I would say, honestly, The Girl Is Mine is pretty bad. The Girl Girl Is Mine is. No, it's a good song. It's a good Mm -hmm. classic song. He stole all Paul's music after that. He did. Yeah. (laughs) He told them to uh, in his face, too. Right. Um, They left off Carousel. A song that would have been a hit on anybody else's album. They left it off because there were just too many great hits here and that it didn't fit. I mean, The Lady in My Life is probably my favorite of that. It's a, it's a, sleep, a slept on song. There were seven singles on that. A Lady in My Life was not one of them. Just, ah. it's when Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson came together and created a masterpiece. And I know Michael Jackson fans are more of an off-the-wall thing. But there's too many misses on Off the Wall. There's not a lot of misses on Thriller. It's just the best album. I've, I just press play. Yeah, it's 40. You've all heard it. You guys don't need to. You guys don't need me to recap it. It's great. 42 minutes and it says, want to be starting something. <laughs> thriller, Beat It, Billie Jean, PYT. I mean, you just need those five, honestly, in my opinion. I still rock with Baby Be Mine, and I love The Lady in My Life. That is a classic joint. If you're, like, slow dancing, perfect. You ever slow dance, Sean? I've never slow danced. You've never slow danced once. I am a horrible dancer. I have no rhythm, and I would be a a fool. I would be a fool. You'd be a dancing fool, like Frank Zappa. I would be a dancing fool, like Frank Zappa. Uh, You want to dance in the dark? Because we're going with Bruce. Who? Bruce is my Bruce. number one album of all time. We'll go to number four first. Number four, of course, the uh, quintessential uh, Fleetwood Mac album from 1979, uh, <laughs> Tusk. Uh, number three album of all time was Alligator by Boxer, or uh, Alligator by The National. Uh, that Boxer was their next album. Alligator by uh, The National. Number two album of all time, and now I am drawing a blank. It's uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by Wilco. And number one, number one album of all time, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band live, the 1975 to 1985 collection. This is 10 
discs, 10 sides, five, 10 sides, five, 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 discs, five records, 10 sides of three hours and 36 minutes of live nonstop rock and roll action. One of my favorite lines ever uh, from Bruce Springsteen is from the growing up version on this track. And he has a little breakdown after 243 and he says, I think I ain't sure, but my mom and father and my sister are here again tonight. Are you guys out there? You over there? For six years, they've been following me around California, trying to get me to come back home. Hey, Ma, give it up, huh? Give me a break. You know, they're still trying to get me to go back to college. And he talks how his dad wanted to be a lawyer, his mom wanted to be an offer, but Bruce wanted everything. And he said, I quote, well, tonight, use a both, gonna get, and gonna have to settle rock and roll and then it comes in and it is the coolest thing that i have ever heard in my life bruce springsteen is so cool this album is so cool and he is able to tell a story with emotion with music with passion and if you don't love bruce springsteen listen to this for three hours and you will love him you have no choice <laughs> but to love him i'm good it's, it's hey, I, I, get, I get it jesus christ i i understand I tell you what this the last time last time i listened to this thing all the way through you know, you just you just drop the needle. You got to get up a bunch to yeah, change because it's a lot of records. But you just drop the needle on this. You you kill. You could kill like a whole bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. Just just sitting a and couple. just hanging out. A couple of them. You got three and a half hours. <laughs> There's a lot. I I I will say this on this box set. A lot of Nebraska tracks. Ooh, but I love it. You love the uh, love Nebraska. A lot of Nebraska tracks on this. Maybe a little too many Nebraska tracks on this. But otherwise. You're right, Sean. You're dead on the money here. Uh, I, I usually, I when I'm talking, when I'm doing these sort of things, I usually try to stay away from the lives. Yeah. But I love live albums, and that is uh, a box set. It's and it was handcrafted. I don't know if you read about how they made it and everything, mm-hmm. but I mean, they just spent like a whole year putting this together because they wanted to try to put three different eras of of touring all in the same thing uh, and yeah. make it sound like a float. Right, and yeah. it's 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 tremendous. Uh, there's some real some real showstoppers on that one. Absolutely, B, awesome album. I am a more of a uh, like Water for Chocolate common fan, but B was a quality album too. Juan saying Queen Live at Wembley '86, Metallica Black album, and Pearl Jam Ten. If I'm going Pearl Jam, I'm going Versus. I got to be honest, I'm more of a Versus guy than a Ten guy. I understand people like the hits, but I'm I'm more of a Ten. I'm more of a Versus guy over a Ten. Uh, but yeah, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, just listen to that on Spotify for like the first time. That's what made me a Springsteen fan. Uh, listening to that album on Spotify, having all three hours just play over and over again. Uh, it was intoxicating for a 13 year old Sean Anderson who then got to see him in 2013 at Wrigley uh, and my fandom was cemented after that so uh, Springsteen means a lot to me in my life so uh, that's a very important album and that's why the live thing uh, means a lot you know you go see Springsteen it's like a religious experience and listening to that album is about as religious as I've gotten in probably about like 10 years so I mean that is something that means a lot to me Uh, shout out to Bruce Springsteen and those are our top four albums of all time that was fun an eclectic choice it was a fun week yes Connor Smith says best albums by a famous Sox fan is Muddy Waters King B. Yeah. Is that true? Muddy Waters was a Sox fan, absolutely. Muddy Waters. I don't know if I'd say that King B is his best one, but I'm a I like I like Hard Again from Muddy Waters. That's a that's a good one. Okay. 1977. Hmm. I've learned through my fiance that Muddy Waters was the inspiration to Rolling Stones. Yes, very much so. I'd yeah. probably say Kanye has a better album than Muddy Waters. No? Good night, everybody. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, yeah. we'll talk about this off air. We're going to end this. We're going to wrap this up. The disrespect in this room. You can follow Woo. CHGO White Sox beat writer Vinny Duber. I thought you wanted Twitter. to go out on a good note here today, Sean. Mercy. At Vinny Duber. You can follow Herb Lawrence. And Connie's C- not a Sox fan. Is he not? No. He's just from Chicago? Yes. Oh, that's on me. That's uh, Hand up on me. My bad on that one. Sorry, <laughs> Muddy Waters. My bad. Uh, Herb Lawrence is the CHGO White Sox community leader. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. We were produced today by the good old Stephen Nicholas. Thank you to everyone in the chat for joining us. KPW, Connor, Jack, Alec, uh, Dan, Alex the 219. And Alec, both of them. Juan, Cole, Steve. Thank you all for joining us. We appreciate your support. And we appreciate the band Fleetwood Mac for their 1979 album, Tusk. We will see you tomorrow. And go Sox.